Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, we'll get to a crossover episode with Locked on Bucks host Kane Pittman talking about uh, Malik Beasley going to Milwaukee and also apparently Bucks fans think the Timberwolves may trade Mike Conley. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about it and obviously that's not going to happen, but that's part of the conversation as well as some general Wolves-Bucks thoughts. We'll get to that here a little bit later. First though, key takeaways for the first two games in Las Vegas. It's all coming to the show. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Wednesday. Happy Hump Day, everybody. And a big thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, Locked On Wolves is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch the show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota app. You can download that app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves and also at B Beacon. That's with two B's, two E's, CK. Yet. All right, so what we'll do today, I want to hit a couple of key Summer League takeaways through two games here first, right off the bat, and uh, then we will get into a conversation I had with Kane Pittman over at um, over at Lockdown Bucks, and uh, they do a fantastic job over at Lockdown Bucks covering Milwaukee, and we'll talk a little bit about, um, I mean, the conversation started because the Bucks, of course, signed Malik Beasley to a crazy vet minimum deal. Um, just a, a complete steal for, for Malik Beasley. And then we also talk a little bit about Mike Conley, which surprised me a little bit that we went there. And then generally about the Wolves, Kane had some questions. So um, a little bit of a different a different take on a conversation uh, that, that's mostly Wolves-centric. But um, anyway, so that'll be the second kind of two-thirds of the show. But let's start with some of these Summer League takeaways. Of course, the Wolves are only two games in. They won last Friday, then they won again on Monday night, off Tuesday, and then they play again Wednesday at 3 o'clock. So this afternoon, 3 o'clock against the Hawks. There's no sense in previewing Summer League games, of course. But um, you could take this first segment, and I'll, I mean, I'm going to tell you what I think has been most impressive about the um, about Summer League thus far. Um, first of all, to Leonard Miller's preparedness for NBA basketball really, really has impressed me. Now, the competition level in Summer League is actually pretty similar to what I would say it is for most of the G League season, maybe even not quite as good because, yes, you've got a couple of draft picks, but you've also got a lot of guys who are pretty likely to go play overseas. Um, not that the competition level is not good overseas, but like there's some guys that are just out of college that are getting an opportunity that may not even be playing in super competitive foreign leagues, right? Um, there's like It's like a weird mixture of high draft picks and guys that shouldn't be on the won't be on the floor in an NBA game and then a bunch of guys in between. So you would expect Leonard Miller to to perform really well and he has. He's been really really impressive and I talked a lot about this on Tuesday's post game podcast uh from Monday night's win, but his feel defensively for me has been really impressive the rotations understanding where he needs to be and then on offense the ability to do a little bit of everything which is kind of what he was known for in the G League and one of the reasons he's an attractive prospect because of the the combination of being able to do everything and also the upside given his age, the lack of actual competitive basketball he's played and the lack of 
certainly pro basketball he's played, high-level basketball in general, coaching that he's had, like how much he improved in just the last calendar year from the draft process prior to 2022 to the draft process prior to 2023. He's improved so much. The sky is, is really... I don't want to say this guy is the limit for Leonard Biller, but it's very high for Leonard Biller, right? I throw that around too much because that that's what I mean when I talk about it with Anthony Edwards. I don't know what Leonard Miller's ceiling is, but his floor is a nice role player. Like, like he, I think now he's not going to be in the Wolves top 10 this year to start the season in terms of depth chart rotation, but he's got a shot and I think he should play significantly. Um, he should, he should get the opportunity to play like the Wolves gave him a, a four year deal with a couple of the first two years are guaranteed reportedly. We talked about this on Monday's show. Darren Wolfson at KSTP and Score North reported this. The first two years are fully guaranteed, which is not super rare anymore for a second round pick, but it's it's um, you know, a first round it's not quite what a first round pick gets, but it's kind of in between because he was the third pick of the second round and people were surprised he was still available. Um, and he showed us exactly why. Through two games, he's averaged 18 points um so far in summer league. 54% from the field, 50% from three. And a couple of those, well, there's one heave in there. So, I mean, really better than 50% from three. He's what, four of eight overall. Um, he's shooting 67% from the line, eight rebounds per game across the two games, two assists per game, and two and a half steals per game, which is a nice number. Uh, really impressive start to Summer League for Leonard Miller. Josh Minot. For me, I love Leonard Miller. Josh Bynett, for me, is is the player I'm most excited about on the Summer League roster because he has an NBA role that is ready for him. He can fit right now onto an NBA roster, um, and he's shown exactly why thus far in Summer League in two games. He's shooting 48% from the floor. Um, five rebounds per game. You'd like to see that a little bit higher. Two assists per game, two blocks per game, and a half steal per game. Um, he hasn't made a three pointer yet. He's over five from beyond the arc. He is uh nine of 10 from the free throw line, which is nice to see the jumper still needs to improve. Yes. But the, the activity level, the nose for the ball, um, you'd like to see him grab a few more rebounds here and there, but all of those kind of intangible type things that he does, not intangibles, the less quantifiable stuff or the things that aren't going to show up in the scoring column. He's doing those things. Um, got a little bit, not shot happy, but over aggressive with the ball in his hands late in the second game. He also struggled early in the first game, but kind of in between there, those like middle, I don't know, six quarters, really, 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 really good. I want to see continued reps for him at the point of attack defensively. I know he's mostly going to play the four at the NBA level, maybe a little bit of three. Um, he's a little bigger than Jaden McDaniels, but I I think he had, I don't know, he's quite as quick laterally. Uh, the athleticism's probably close to on par. Um, I, I'd like to see him guard some point of attack in summer league. And that's that's one of the things I'm going to keep an eye on if he gets the ability to do that or the, the opportunity, I should say, to do that. Uh, because that's going to be one of the ways he gets on the floor is a flexible, uh, versatile, switchable defender who's playing the four but can also guard threes and some twos. And we need to see that from him uh, in Vegas in order to feel comfortable that he could do that at the NBA level. Um, those are the top two. Obviously, hopefully we see Mateo Spagnoli hasn't played yet due to an injury when Delmar Jr. didn't play in game two because of knee soreness. Um, so who knows if he'll be available Wednesday. And otherwise, I mean, Brandon Williams has played well at point guard. Uh, DJ Carton was really good in game two. 
Um, still keeping an eye on on uh, Travion Williams, the big who's struggled a little bit, but uh, you know he does things that the Wolves need, which is bigs who can pass and bigs who can rebound. So keep an eye on him as well. Uh, the, that's kind of it at this point. There's still three more games in the preliminary round. Again, Wednesday at three is the next one against Atlanta. Um, and so we'll keep covering this preliminary round before the tournament in Las Vegas. But great start for the two guys that Wolves fans are keeping an eye on most closely. And that's, of course, Mina and Miller. And hopefully Moore gets back out there, too. Be good for him to get some additional reps. All right. The rest of the show, I want to do this crossover with uh, with our friend Kane Pittman over at Lockdown Bucks. We're going to do that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good. Put simply, they are basically stretched khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, and they give you a truly sculpted look. They legitimately feel like you're wearing athletic shorts, like basketball shorts around the house. Uh, but they have the appearance again of a khaki short of like almost like a golf short that you could wear anywhere. Um, so like I'll wear them on the weekends. I'll wake up on Saturday, run to the store, go get donuts, whatever, wear them, wear them around the house, hang out with the kids, watch TV, grill in the backyard. If I got to run to the store in the middle of the day, they're functional. They've got pockets like you could do normal everyday stuff with them, but they're extremely comfortable. Extremely comfortable. Right now, you can go to birddogs.com slash NBA. Enter the promo code LOCKDOWNNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler. And I'll, I have one of these. It is exactly like it functions just like a Yeti. It, it keeps things remarkably hot or cold. It's birddogs.com slash NBA, and you'll get this Yeti-style tumbler with your order. Use the promo code NBA for that tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. I can promise you that. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, on the show tomorrow, we'll do a post-game pod from Wednesday's game, uh, the the Wolves-Hawks game. So that'll be Thursday's show. And of course, we'll continue the Summer League coverage throughout the week and into next week as the Wolves continue their time in Vegas. We're still daily, Monday through Friday, throughout the month of July. So make sure to keep it here at Lockdown Wolves. Without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Kane Pittman over at Lockdown Bucks in yet another edition of a Locked On crossover show. Uh, ben, this is nice to catch up because, as I mentioned, it's uh, it's been a rarity that we've been able to sit down and talk Bucks and Wolves. Yeah, for uh, two teams that are, uh, you know, Timberwolves fans like to point out that Milwaukee is, uh, what, the furthest, <laughs> the furthest West team in the Eastern Conference, and Wolves uh-huh. fans have been envious of being in the Eastern Conference for a long time. So, uh, yeah, but maybe not as much this year. I mean, the, the, the top of the East was much better than the top of the West, at least in the regular season. But anyway, yeah, it's good to catch up. Uh, a little bit of a, of a border battle that hasn't been much of a battle um, in, a, in a while, at least. No, I've had some... Uh... Nice uh, road trips uh, from the Eastern Conference, Milwaukee, to the Western Conference, uh, Minnesota. Interesting that uh, the conference set up as it is, as you mentioned. But uh, the reason why I reached out to you and asked if we could do this podcast today was because we wanted to ask about Malik Beasley, who's going to be spending this season in Milwaukee. And I think the timing of this was interesting. We were asking the question on Locked on Bucks, what's going to happen with this roster? Who are the guys that are actually available and honestly, I wasn't sure heading into this free agency what the market would be for a player like Malik Beasley. Obviously, fell out of the rotation a little bit uh, with the Lakers. So I guess that would be my first question to you. Were you surprised that Malik Beasley ended up signing a, a minimum deal? I was. I mean, the Timberwolves were the team that gave him that, you know, the the one big contract he's got in his career. And, and the Lakers, I think, had a, a an option that they 
chose not to exercise, but he was making uh, that first year of the deal with Minnesota, like 13 plus million. And he was making 14 plus last year. Um, and he, like I was, I was surprised. Like he, he didn't play to the level of, of what the contract was. Um, and it was maybe a little bit of an overpay at the time. Although I, you know, you know, I know that there were some critics of it because he's not a good defender and he will get into what his game looks like offensively. He's a little limited, but he's really good at what he does. So I thought his true value was somewhere in between. I was really surprised when he signed for a minimum deal. I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, he hasn't really won consistently. He's been to the playoffs three times, I guess, four times maybe in his career. But, you know, the Bucks are an attractive team to play for. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the Bucks love them some three-point shooters and Malik Beasley fits that mold. It is interesting once you get to that point in free agency where it's, most teams have only got minimum deals left. And yeah. uh, as you pointed to, Ben, you pick and choose where you might go. And I've got no doubt Malik Beasley doesn't turn 27 until November. So as far as the Bucks go, he's actually kind of a young player. And if I'm trying to think what he's looking at with this deal, he's saying, okay, maybe there are some uh, rotation minutes at the guard spot. Potentially, this is a position where I can make myself some real cash if I have a, a strong yeah. year on a team that's hoping to contend. So from that point of view, uh, maybe it does make some sense to come to Milwaukee. Absolutely. And and he's scored everywhere he's been. I mean, he, every time he's gotten minutes in a rotation, he's, he's scored, uh, you know, take out the first years of his career when he was a non-rotation player in Denver, he averaged 20 points a game in the last, uh, the, the COVID shortened year right after being traded to Minnesota. Now it was a 14 game sample, but then the next year he was right at that 20 points a game mark again before he ended up with a hamstring injury and then he had some legal issues and missed half the season but there was about a, a calendar year there where he played in 50 60 games and averaged 20 points per game so there's a lot of like if when he gets the opportunity and, and he's in the right system and he gets the chance to just let it fly he can score in bunches so that's a great lead in because to me if i look at the way he played for the lakers it was very different to what he was able to do and perhaps asked to do and expected to do with Minnesota. With the mm -hmm. Lakers, there was a lot of standing in the corner and he was still getting his shots up, but it felt like when he played for Minnesota, he certainly was able to do a lot more, have the ball in his hands a little bit more and create. And just the shot profile looked completely different. So in the setting that it was in Minnesota when he's putting up those points, uh, what type of player was he and what was his uh, role and expectations with the Wolves? Yeah, he wreaks havoc in the open floor. I mean, he's he's absolutely one of the and I I this sounds hyperbolic, but he quite literally is one of the best transition players in the league because he's very very good at the rim. He doesn't get there a lot in the half court. Like he doesn't like to put the ball on the floor in the half court and and try and create for himself. He's kind of a one dribble and 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 shoot like a movement shooter type guy in, in half court. But in the open floor, he's very very athletic as you said, he's still fairly young. Uh he's very fast and his release is super quick on his jumper. So if he's out in the open floor, he's sprinting to that three point line and he's going to shoot the ball. Um, basically he's got really nice range too. And one of the quicker releases I've seen. Um, and again, if he can get all the way to the rim in transition, or if he's running the break, he's happy to run to the rim too. And he's dynamic at the rim because of his athleticism. That's basically what he does. He's very good at the rim in transition. He's very good outside the arc in transition and in the half court, 
he, you know, he doesn't really distribute the ball a ton. He's, you're not going to run a lot of like pick and roll with him or anything, but he's a pretty intelligent player. So he'll make a quick decision. He's not going to slow your offense down. Um, He's either going to shoot it. He's going to pass it, or he's going to, you know, one dribble and pass it, but he's not going to pound, you know, just pound the ball into the floor. He's not going to take the ball to the, to the rim in the half court. Um, He's kind of your quintessential, like super role player in the sense that he does one thing, but he does it really, really, really well. The problem is, is, he doesn't do much else offensively. So like, unless you're running plays for him in the offense, he does tend to just kind of stand there. Um, and he's, he's a clear minus defensively. The Wolves challenged him to get better. And I thought he did over the course of his two ish seasons in Minnesota. Um, I, I can't say I paid a lot of attention to his defense in LA, but that has to be one of the reasons why he fell out of the rotation in the playoffs. Um, because it's just, it's spotty at best. And well, he's got the athleticism to do it. He's a little small to guard threes and even some twos. Um, so that's the biggest issue for him is, is the defense. Uh, it's going to be fascinating, obviously, with Mike Budenholzer moving out as well because you you referenced the three-point shooting. Uh, certainly under Bud, everyone was shooting. Whenever they were open, they were expected to let it fly, and that feels like the type of offense that he probably would have had uh, some fun playing in. I want to ask you about the role uh, that you think then that he can fit playing as a most likely a guard coming off the bench but playing alongside someone like Giannis when you talk about the transition game. So I've got a couple more questions on Beasley. Uh, Still coming up here, but first we'll talk about our sponsor of today's show. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is also brought to us by our friends over at BetterHelp. Today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, Sometimes in life, we're faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear, whether that's a career change or a relationship change or uh, you're moving, whatever lifestyle change of any kind. And for me, I always go back to 2020 and everything that happened with COVID. And, um, you know, I, I was fortunate from a health standpoint and and those close to me and and which is great. But there was a lot still that I had to kind of unpack. And, and I learned a lot during that period of time. And I learned that I needed to start to put my mental health first. And therapy can genuinely help do that. If you're starting to think or if you're thinking of starting therapy, you're starting to think about thinking about therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash NBA. Uh, Summer League continues to roll on for both Locked On Bucks and Locked On Wolves. I was just discussing with Ben, the Wolves, as we're recording this. He's a very generous man because they've just tipped off and he's got to get back to some Summer League basketball. But I know the Bucks have got the Nets tomorrow, uh, so we'll have a post-game pod there as well. Is there optimism about Summer League in Wolves land, Ben? There is, mostly because of, well, really, well, yeah, mostly because of Leonard Miller, who is the Wolves mm-hmm. traded, you know, to get a second second round pick to pick him. And he's exciting, had a really nice opener. And also Josh Minot, super athletic second round pick from last year. So even though there was no first rounder this year and uh, last year's rookies were a little, you know, they weren't really part of the rotation. There's some, there's a couple of players that are a lot of fun to watch. At least they've only played one game so far. So um, yeah, but, but Wolves fans are excited about it. Uh, look, we're doing a daily podcast here, Ben. We need summer league. That's we right. need the games. That's right. And we need some optimism and some excitement at this time of the year. So we're we're fired up about it at, uh, on this show as well. 
what do you think Malik Beasley's role could be on this team then? I, I already have some concerns and we've discussed the defensive stuff, which potentially doesn't bode well for postseason action. Uh, you already referenced that with the Lakers this year as well. Uh, what do you see as his role? It's a great question because because I, I mentioned earlier that he's produced when he's gotten the minutes and he really, like his first calendar year in Minnesota, so they traded for him like a couple weeks before COVID shut down the 1920 season and then he got into some legal trouble in the off season, So and then he had a, a pretty bad hamstring injury. So he only played in about half of the following season. But over the course of those first, like that first calendar year in Minnesota, 50 some odd games, he averaged like 33 minutes a game and about 20 points per game. But then the following year, the Timberwolves, um, you know, they had, it was Anthony Edwards second year, or I'm sorry, actually, yeah, I guess it was the second year uh, they acquired Patrick Beverly and they decided, hey, Pat Bev's going to start alongside Anthony Edwards um, and you have D'Angelo Russell. So Edwards was actually starting at the three and uh, that pushed Beasley to the bench. They decided their best lineup was with Beverly in the starting lineup because of Russell's defensive shortcomings and Ant struggled defensively early on. Um, so basically Beasley's role shrunk and he became a bench player and he still averaged 25 minutes a game in his his first, uh, his I guess his technically his third season in Minnesota. But he really struggled. Like his three point shooting dipped from forty percent to about thirty seven ish percent from the floor. He was only thirty nine percent, and that was his only like full start to finish year in Minnesota. So I worry a little bit about him. And I think this is what happened a little bit in LA last year too. Was he was being asked to do something very specific, which was, hey, this is your role. Come off the bench, stand in the mm-hmm. corner, be ready when LeBron kicks the ball to you, or you know when this action we you know we run this action for Anthony Davis, and then the ball ends up back out in your hands in the corner. And that's kind of a, a little bit of a catch 22 with Beasley because he needs the minutes to be successful, but there's things he's limited enough at that um, in a, in a, you can't give him too many minutes on like a serious playoff contender. So I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like if he can master that and if he's maybe at the point now where he's like, and I know he's only what, 26, 27, but maybe he's at the point where he's like, all right, this is how I get longevity in this league is I figure out how to be this, I, like you said, it's a prove it deal in a sense where maybe I shoot 42% from threes. I have a limited role, but if I do really well and we win, I can get a bigger deal next year. And if he really buys into that, he could be really dangerous as that guy who like, you've got to run a couple plays for him off the bench. You need to get him in the game, call him a play right away, get his feet wet, get him feel like he's part of the, of the game. If you ignore him, he's not going to be ready when the ball comes to him and he's, he's not going to, you know, be successful. So I think that's kind of the key is get him involved early off the bench. And then if he also plays with some of your, you know, first team players, he plays with Giannis, he gets the opportunity to, to play with the starters. That's where you're going to see him be most successful is kind of as like that, you know, third, fourth option along with some of your top line players. Uh, I'm very curious. We're discussing a lot about the uh, two guard spot in particular. Grayson Allen has kind of started there. Wesley Matthews spent some time there, but it's kind of an open position. And there are a lot of questions about whether the Bucks. Well, in my opinion, they need another point guard. They don't really have a point guard, which brings me to Mike Conley. Now, (laughs) I already said this to you. Maybe I'm about to say something that you just shut down straight away and you say, this is ridiculous. But we see it from time to time. I'm sure you have it over on Lockdown Wolves. There are names that get floated around and possibility of particularly veteran players that could come available. So Mike Conley, 24 mil, around 24.3 mil on his deal this year. Uh, He only spent... Part of the season, 24 games, but if you just look straight up at the numbers and you you can tell me more, the numbers were good. Uh, what do you see Mike Conley, uh, where do you see him ending up this year and is it the expectation of the Wolves and what you're hearing from the team uh, that there is no question he'll be on the team throughout this season? Yeah, I, I'd be pretty shocked if they traded him. I think the only way he's moved is if is if 
you know, things just go terrible in the first half of the season and, and they're yeah. selling at the trade deadline, which of course, then there's bigger problems and cat would be gone at that point and yeah. everything I, like Mike Conley was really, really good when the wolves got him. It was almost like he had a bit of a rebirth a couple of years ago. He was an all-star in Utah. And then he, the last year and a half or so he struggled with the jazz. Um, it just wasn't, everybody was like, ah, oh, well he's 36 or whatever. Maybe this is the end of the road. It was like, he was revitalized coming over to Minnesota and, and he played the played really well um, he fits Minnesota because D'Angelo Russell obviously is a shoot first point guard and you have Anthony Edwards, you have Carl Anthony Towns, you add Rudy Gobert. Those are three guys that expect a certain number of shots and D'Angelo Russell was the least efficient and effective of all of them. And so it made sense to replace him with a guy who's a, actually a better catch and shoot three point shooter. Conley for his career is much better than D'Lo at catch and shoot three pointers. Somebody who can be lower usage, but can knock down a shot if he needs to. And he's also a better on ball defender, even at his age. So He's really kind of a perfect fit for Minnesota. Um, and of course, the Wolves, they have to contend, right? Like they got five games worse last year in large part due to the town's injury. But after acquiring Rudy Gobert and, you know, one of those much talked about stories around the league about how that was a failure. Well, they have to win this year. And by, you know, they acquired Conley at the deadline last year. And so I'd be really surprised um, if they moved off of Conley. The only way that happens is if it's a dreadful first half of the season and, the, you know, injuries or whatever. Um, the other thing is there's no other really point guards on the roster. Like the Wolves signed Shake Milton. He's more of a combo guard. Jordan mm -hmm. McLaughlin's the only other one. He's kind of a vet minimum type guy. Uh, they don't really have a backup plan. Like likely the second unit's going to be ran by Anthony Edwards and Shake Milton. So um, yeah, I'd be pretty surprised if they traded Conley. But, uh, and actually that's something else Wolves fans were expecting. It was a true backup point guard this offseason, and And hmm. that hasn't happened. So um, yeah, I, I see Conley in a Wolves uniform for all of next season. Yeah, sounds like the Bucks. They don't really have a backup point guard uh, right now at this point in time as well. So it sounds to me, if I just talk more generally about Minnesota and where uh, the team is at, it sounds like patience perhaps wearing a little thin. There might be some pressure entering this season. Absolutely, yeah. And I would say, you know, certainly on the head coach, Chris Finch, um, he was actually hired by by the the former president of basketball operations, Gerson Rosas, and he's had a working relationship with Tim Connolly elsewhere. They worked together in Denver. So um, Connolly's given him votes of confidence ever since he was hired over a year ago. So I wouldn't say he's like on the hot seat, but if they are, you know, don't make a clear step forward, then, I mean, that's the first change. Well, maybe, maybe second change, maybe Carl Anthony Towns is the first change. I mean, there's a lot of people that think he'll be traded by the deadline if this team's not really, really good in the first half. I think this team has to be kind of a top four or five team in the West at the deadline in order to avoid that uh, because Towns Supermax kicks in next summer. And and so like you're in this weird kind of mixing of timelines where Anthony Edwards just got his max extension. Towns Supermax kicks in next year. Jaden McDaniels is going to get an extension this offseason. You still have Rudy Gobert and his max contract. So they're going to be paying luxury tax if they don't kind of do something here salary wise, uh, you know, move some pieces around. And uh, also with all the assets they give up for Rudy Gobert, like they they need to be better than a 42 win, you know, eight seed this year. And they need to make some meaningful progress towards 50 wins and, and home court advantage. I don't, I don't think there's any other way that this year could be seen as a success. Yeah, you already mentioned, and I, I think it's a bit over the top. And, and I feel bad, you know, particularly for Rudy Gobert at some point in time, because I just think it, 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 it gets taken a little bit too far. Yeah. But while so many teams out there, over the course of the last few years might be going the other way and they might be going smaller. Uh, the, the Wolves are doing the opposite. And you've got Cat and you've got Rudy Gobert and then you sign uh, Nas Reed to a nice little deal as well. So uh, from your perspective, how have you viewed the roster build and the way they've kind of gone all in 
in a in a way that seems to be trending away from the rest of the league. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate like, and I, there were a lot of actually, even though the the loudest national noise was what are they doing, and I think it's more the assets that they gave up to get Rudy Gobert than it is the actual move. But if you could get past the assets, which I get is a huge part of it, it there's something to be said for zigging when everyone else is zagging or however you want to say that, mm-hmm. right? For trying something different and going against small ball and saying like, well, hey, you know, you could argue they have two of the best, certainly coming into last year, you could have argued they have two of the best five centers in the league. You could still make that argument. Um, obviously, Embiid and Jokic being the best two, but I mean, there aren't that many other centers, maybe Bam Adebayo that you would say are in that top five or six center conversation. And one of them happens to be the best, you know, one of the best shooters in the league, period, and one of the top two big man shooters of all time in Carlton Town. So, like offensively, it should work. Uh, defensively is where most of the question marks were. And strangely enough, they were actually a top 10 defense last year as Rudy Gobert has been like every year of his career. He's been part of a top 10 defense. It was the offense that struggled. And there now we're back to the pressure on Chris Finch as supposedly an offensive guru. He had a bottom 10 offense all season for much of the year, bottom five offense. And they never really figured it out. Now, Towns missed 53 games. That's two-thirds of the season. So, obviously, that's the biggest thing we can point to. They changed point guards better through the season because Dilo was not compatible with Chris Finch. Uh, but, I, yeah, I mean, like, offensively, they've got to figure something out. I, I think that they will because, again, Towns is too talented and when he's healthy. And Gobert, like, if they if he can – if he can, it's not that they have Gobert. It's what they gave up to get him. And now it's just like – you know, it's up to the coaching staff to figure it out. And I think that they've got, especially with Anthony Edwards, they've got the right pieces to make it work. Um, but now, because last year was was a clear step backwards, again, certainly in part due to injury, but a step backwards, they absolutely have to succeed this year. They have to figure some, some sort of offensive rhythm out early in the season. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, last one I got for you, just with Kat, and you've referenced it a little bit and the clear talent that he does have. Uh, where do you sit on the future of Cat? In Minnesota. Yeah. So I spent most of the offseason, have spent most of the offseason. We're only about halfway through it, I guess. Um, saying that I thought it was 75-25, 75% that he's on the roster on opening night. I actually feel stronger about that now, but I'm starting to waver a little bit on if he's moved at the deadline. At Howard back on the show a couple of weeks ago, and, and he said the words he used were he would be shocked if Towns was on the Timberwolves beyond hmm. next trade deadline. And he, at the time, this was, I think, right before the draft or maybe right after, and he was saying, um, I think it was right before the draft, because he was saying like, hey, he thought it could still happen this offseason. And I, I've been kind of, you know, eh, I don't know. I think everything coming out of Minnesota, it's likely he stays you know, that he's part of the team on opening night because they didn't really get a clear shot at the the multiple big thing last year. And they're doubling down on it now with Nas Reed or tripling down, I guess. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, like at this point sitting here right now, I still think it's more likely than not he's on the team 12 months from now. But there's a lot of people uh, that know a lot about the league and, you know, goings on and Howard Beck's one of them who feels like he's likely to be traded. And like I mentioned before, the Supermax kicks in. Towns is going to get paid $52 million next year in 2020. 425. Um, that's a lot of money and the wolves will be in the luxury tax if they don't do some maneuvering. So, I mean, it's easier to trade him before that supermax kicks in and the deadline may be the best time to do that. So now if this team goes through the first half and they're the number two seed in the West and they're like 30 and 12 or something crazy like that, they're not going to trade him obviously. But if they're 500 and struggling, then I think he's gone. I mean, I really do think it depends on how the Timberwolves perform uh, basically through January, uh, whether or not he's he's on the Wolves past the trade deadline. Well, I find it fascinating, but we know 
The Bucks and the Wolves are at least going to play twice, uh, maybe three times. Maybe they'll catch up in Vegas, the, the play-in tournament, or not the play-in tournament, the in-season yeah, tournament. Yeah, maybe yeah, they'll yeah. be playing for a little bit of cash in Vegas. Who knows? Uh, ben, I know the uh, Wolves are playing right now, so you probably want to get onto that and catch up with uh, whatever the Summer League Wolves are doing, but uh, it was nice to catch up with you and uh, hopefully uh, some inf- insightful stuff when it comes to Malik Beasley and crushing some dreams when it comes to Mike Conley, but we appreciate that and uh, we enjoy your show over in Lockdown Wolves. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Kane. All right, so there you have it. Uh, Kane Pittman at Lockdown Bucks. They do a great job covering the uh, the Milwaukee squad over there at Lockdown Bucks. So go check them out for all your Milwaukee Bucks needs um, and curiosities. Uh, here at Lockdown Wolves, we're going to talk Wolves Hawks on tomorrow's show. That's Thursday. And we'll keep the conversation going related to Summer League here um, the, the, the rest of the week and into next week. Uh, there's still a lot to get to. And then we'll get into some more roster breakdown type stuff as we get throughout the month. The Wolves will have actually a roster spot and a two-way contract spot to fill. So a lot to get to with all that. Um, so a big thank you to those that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch the show on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon, and that's with two Bs, two Es, C-K, Yet. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. The Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.